Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. And I'm crazy. I'll say. And with us this week is uh, our special guest, Will. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, We're happy to have you. We're only an hour behind schedule. I know uh, you're on the East Coast. Everything, the world is crazy. Everything is crazy. But we're glad we got to do this. And what better time than when, uh, you know, we're all stuck at home. (laughs) (laughs) We're all trapped inside. (laughs) For real. Oh, man. I'm technically not trapped inside, but my lifestyle choices, I don't go past my gas station. Well, you're also trying to get married tomorrow, and that's what's going on in the world is changing that a little bit, correct? Uh, A little bit or a lot of it. I went from having a reception for 300 people, having getting married in an LDS temple like we wanted to, to signing my marriage license in my in-law's living room tomorrow wow you're not on lockdown no he's not you're not on lockdown i am not like i said my lifestyle just makes it so it looks like i'm on lockdown well we kind of have the the country covered a little bit utah california new New york York. you know i think we're doing all right um so i'm just (laughs) for the record utah's about to be hit hard yeah with the covid19 why because we have a bunch of fucking dumbasses out there who, mind you, they're excited to see their children come home from a mission, but they showed up like hundreds of people at the airport no in a way. crowd. No way. And were cheering when their kids came. And it's like, are you fucking stupid? They literally came home from a pandemic. Yeah. And the governor says no large gatherings. Like, seriously? And then there's there's some lady with a window painting. This is thank you for the angel that the Lord sent. And after angel, it says COVID-19 for sending my child home to me. And you're like, oh, you're the devil. Oh, God. You know, I don't think uh, people realize like how bad it is unless you're in an epicenter like New York. And and I think you're right. Well, the, the problem is, is, you know, everything seems so far away until it's not. You know, like you're literally sitting in New York. My sister-in-law is out there as well. And, you know, my father-in-law reached out to her the other day and was just like, I want you to come home. But you, she can't get home. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and when it does hit their communities in our community, you know, we're very remote North Coast, California. And, you know, we're not L.A. is really bad right now, too. But we're not we're out of it. We don't have too many cases yet. But the problem is we're preparing but also we have no tests up here. So we could have it and just don't know it. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. And that's the scary thing. I think just not having the test for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's important. What can we do? Why we're in shelter or under attack by a virus. Yeah. Create. Right. <laughs> and that's why we're here tonight, here tonight. And I think uh, that was a great segue. Well, uh, we're here to talk about writing, right? Not the damn virus. <laughs> Uh, and look, and, and the reason we wanted to have you on, and we talked about you a lot on our last episode, no, two episodes ago when we got back from L2E, um, because we loved hanging out with you and you've been part of our community for a while. You actually listened to both my podcasts, which I'm not sure why, but I do want you on the other one because I love talking geek stuff with you. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I'm obsessed with everything 
pipeline geek, really. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, and I and I think that's important. Uh, so we'll we'll get that going hopefully next week or so. But but man, so we're here. We're gonna talk about writing. We're gonna talk about what we're trying to create. And I don't know I've had some difficulties lately. I did get a little writing in last weekend. Um, but let's, should we just go around the horn? No, no, better yet. Let's do this. Let's go to Nick. What did you, <laughs> I'm about to put you on the spot, dude. So top of the show, do we have any housekeeping stuff we want to talk about? And what is our plan this week? My friend, there you go. I was about to be like, Ooh, no X here. <laughs> housekeeping. Thank you very much. I'm keeping the show on track. Hey, Housekeeping items. This is what I've got for the week, guys. Um, Luke Ter- Tarzian, not Luke Tarzan or Terzian. Right. Luke Terzian. Find him on Twitter. We'll throw up his handle and stuff like that. He's currently doing a giveaway because he reaches 1,000 followers, um, and he needs like 20 left. So if you guys are not following Luke, give him a shout out on Twitter, a follow. Um, you're gonna get a couple cool copies of an ebook if you win. Um, so it's pretty exciting that way. Um, and, and as of like five minutes ago, we have a new giveaway book. Um, so be prepared for that coming up. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do another giveaway. Um, so. Oh, good. What? what yeah. I didn't hear about this. Thanks for telling me. Well, that's what I said about <laughs> as of five minutes ago. Um, we've got a book to give away. So we got to plan that one. Um, nice. Other than that, you know, it's it's been a dull roar across the world right now, as far as uh, our little community goes. Um, so I hope everyone's out there staying safe and uh, doing what they need to do to protect themselves. Um, and if you're sheltering in place, hope you have a bat um, so you can defend yourself against the coronavirus attackers, not just the virus itself. Well, I mean, I think the crazy part about this whole thing, and I know we're back to this now, but, uh, you know, we, two of us out of the three are shelter in place and it's, it's, it's a trip. Like when you decide to go to the store, like it has to be, you never think about these kind of things like, oh, it's time to leave the house and go do a thing. Like now it's like, you gotta have a concerted effort to get up and go somewhere and, Hopefully you're not trying to go buy toilet paper because that's that's a wash across the board. You know what? Um, I literally have probably 88 rolls of toilet paper by accident. What? For some, yeah, for some reason, I triple ordered in like September by accident on Amazon. Wow. So, yeah. You can make a killing on that, dude. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, I'm not, I would hand it out to my neighbors. I wouldn't charge anyone. No, of course. Of course. And we have a small business and my wife, you know, gets big boxes of the stuff. And so we have plenty and I actually gave some to some of my friends and I would do the exact same thing. Um, these people who are turning around trying to sell this stuff are not okay. But all that said, no, I'm, I'm going to go stab them. <laughs> okay. Nick's on the war path. <laughs> yeah. Utah, Utah implemented like almost right away. Uh, I like a no price gouging law. Mm. And then like, if you get fined, your first fine is a thousand dollars. After that, you're looking at like 25,000 in jail time. Wow. Like, you know for price about that, though? No price gouging on toilet paper, but insulin. Oh no. People who are diabetic can be triple and quadruple charged. Oh, I'm telling you, man, <sighs> this is, and, and, and what I was trying to tell my students on the last 
pretty much the last day I saw them, which was last Monday. Uh, I was like, you know, I've been on this earth 41 years almost. And actually my birthday's in a couple of weeks, um, almost, Ooh, 40, almost 41 years and never have seen anything like this. Right. Um, there are people that live through world wars and all this other stuff. And like, this is kind of, this is a, a, a crazy time we're living in. So what I want to do to this week, first and foremost, is let's try to figure out how we can not only stay sane when we're locked up with our families, but at the same time, um, how can we still be creative uh, under these circumstances? Like, how is it going for you guys? And I would like to start with our guest. So, Will, how's it going for you, Ben? Um, it is day by day. It's different. Um, I've been writing. Uh, a couple days, I wrote, like, around 3,000, 5,000 words. The next day, like, 500. The next day, nothing. Today, I wrote probably about 500. Um so if I'm not writing, I'm painting, I'm drawing, I'm doing makeup tutorials on Instagram. Um, uh, well, hold on. What's so your Instagram then? Well, let's back. Yeah. Let's backtrack a little bit because we, we didn't, the, the problem with me and Nick is we don't have people on here very often and we should backtrack and talk about you really, first of all, and I'm glad you're writing this is wonderful, but what do you do day to day? What are you all about? What do you write? Let's 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 interview you just briefly and then we'll circle back to how and how casually you said you wrote 5000 words in a day is is it makes me want to cry. And and, Marshall, I, and I, I love go? you and I won't cry on camera but wow. Continue. Yeah. No, that, tell, tell us all about That's you, a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> shall I shall I do my interviewing skills or should we just I already asked him a question but go ahead. Sure. You asked me Nick. but I'm, Nick. Look, I'm put my I'm on my I'm on mute. She stopped. Okay. So what do you, what, what do you do? Well, so I do, um, hair and makeup. I do a bunch of different things. I do I teach education classes for, uh, cutting and styling for a brand. And then I'm in the salon like four or five times a month in New York. And then I do a lot of editorial celebrity TV production, um, work. It's fun. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love hearing your stories, man. That was one of the things about our time, our brief time together that one day in Utah. Um, we sat in that, <laughs> we, we sat in that terrible dive bar and traded stories for like two and a half hours. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but, but not gonna yeah. lie. I'm surprised none of us got sick that day. <laughs> that bar was pretty gross. Well, we didn't sit in the booth. The booth, the booth was bad. <laughs> oh, it was okay. You know, a quick, quick five grand can fix that place up real quick. I think that's part of the charm, man. And you're in downtown Provo. You're the only bar that's open. Come on. That was, that was a gem. That was great. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so you've been writing, but it's day to day. Will, right. I mean, and, yeah. and I think that's kind of, do you think, is that, well, let me, let me ask you this. Is that your normal f- flow? Is it kind of day to day always, or do you have a consistency normally? Um, no. So because of my work, it's just, it's so erratic and changes day to day. So I feel as long as I write something, um, but I have periods where I will be super consistent and write. I think right now, just with the world on fire, Mm. um, I just want to try to create as much as I can and not, I want to turn my anxiety and stress into art. Yeah. And I feel like I learned that from Carrie Fisher. Yeah. You know, um, I think working with her 
and just being around someone like that, she just always funneled her uh, mental illness that way and just the way that she looked at her life because it was extraordinary and rare. And the, and the amount of things she did besides just acting too, like, and, and having all of the mental things going on and producing the way she did. Um, I can def, I don't know her like you do very casually know her, but, or no, knew her, excuse me. But I just, I, I've heard similar tales of how she was always trying to motivate people and bring people up too. And I think that's, um, you have to, especially when you're stressed and you have a lot going on, like, what else, what you have to channel it somewhere, right? Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And I think too, is, um, you really have to, sometimes when you are anxiety filled, like I am right now, and I think the rest of us are and upset or sad, um, to create art, to write is a form of resistance, you know, yeah. because the always obstacles in life and people who tell you you shouldn't or you can't or you're not worthy. And I think just the act of making art, of writing specifically for us, is an act of resistance. And that's what gets us through really hard times. I mean, I don't know, like, how was it for you guys? Like, when you think of your writing, like, I always say books raised me, but writing saved me. It was since I was a kid growing up how I grew up and the things that I went through that it, my writing and telling stories first for myself, uh, was a way that I could process trauma and things that were just fucked up. Really? No, absolutely. Um, I know, I know for me, especially when I was trying to figure things out in my mid twenties or whatever, like I, I, my outlet mostly was poetry and, you know, say what you want about, whatever about whatever form of writing, but that was my outlet. I would, I would find a spot to sit. And I like what you said about it being a form of resistance. I was struggling with a lot of different things and being able to sit there and just let, let words hit the page and didn't, and without any hindrance um, was really important. And I, and I think that's kind of where we all need to, we, we need to try to get there and I'm trying to get there. And I'm like, what is this day 10 of, of, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's it called? Uh, lockdown shelter, uh, shelter in place day 10 of shelter yeah. in place. And it's like, I'm doing these things for my students. I'm, I'm recording videos every day. I'm trying to get feedback from them. I'm having them sending me videos. I'm compiling them and trying to like document this on some level too. But at the same time, that's part of creativity. But for me, like with this quote unquote gift of time while I'm healthy, I really want to make sure that I'm getting words on the page and, and that's been a struggle and the anxiety and the, and the stress is real. Like, you know, I see it in my wife, I see it in my kids, I see it in my friends. I've got two friends with the virus and, and, and I'm worried about everybody else under the sun as well. My in-laws and shopping for them and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it, so when do I sit down and do that? I need to, I need to figure that out, uh, like tomorrow <laughs> or to stay sane. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What about you, Nick? You know, it's, I haven't written in probably a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a while for me. And that's just because, you know, life started getting hectic. For me, the, the craziness that you guys are experiencing, I started seeing that with my job a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, because I'm very customer related. Um, 
for what I do on a on a daily basis, right? And so my accounts and the people I work with that actually live in China, I've been going through this. I mean, I know some people that have been affected by this since G- er, December. Wow. January timeframe, right? I've seen this in impact my business specifically on my level for a while. Um, And then I'm, you know, as of right now, all my accounts that are Chinese based, they're starting to get up and going again, you know? And so there's some hope for me on my end here, but uh, as much as I love writing right now, and I am so close to finishing my first book ever. Um, in a full draft and, and I'm excited, but my, I have other talents that kind of come out during the crazy time periods like this. So I'm putting off writing and I know this is going to sound crazy, but, uh, I'm looking to put more of my energy and efforts into being creative for my, for my community, community out here and making community efforts to make other people's lives better. Um, it's, and it goes back to Marshall, our episode on resilience, right? Like I'm just, I'm naturally resilient to some things. Like I struggled my first work from home week and it was like two days out of the week that we did that. And now I'm fine. I'm good. Okay. It, it, for me, it's time to crush it. This, this time period is going to suck for everyone. It's going to be hard. And, you know, if anything that I learned from the military and being a leader in the military, like you have to embrace the suck. You have to get through it. They call it a grind, not because it's easy or comfortable, but you're everyone's going to be hardened by this. People are going to be able to go through a lot worse later on, you know. And, And I think just in this time period for me, like I'm making more time available um, to be able to do community outreach right now. And figure out what can I do in my community. Um, I mean, for example, I think, go ahead. I think, don't you think that though, like it really makes you a better writer by sometimes putting things on pause and during a uh, tragedy or obstacles when you can be there for people. I feel like we get to observe people's reactions. And I think as writers, we internalize a lot of that. So when we come back to the page, we can really um, put that experience in a, a fresh new way. Yeah. yeah I mean, no. how many how many of us are writing a scene where it affects a community on like a large scale? But what? How many of us actually have that experience and have seen it until now? Right. Yeah. And, and, and this is something Nick and I talked about last time we recorded too. It's like one of the through lines of, of my story is, is things like pandemics and wars and stuff, um, spiking for certain reasons in my world building. Right. And it's like, of course now I have an entry for this one and it's like this one, I can really, uh, this one, I'll, I think I'll have a little more, I don't know the best way to say it, but I mean, obviously experience with, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's. At uncertain times, like trying to find a way to be creative, I think is, is, is the only way I'll be able to kind of, I don't know, get through this. You know what I mean? So, For sure. um, so I'm going to throw it back to Nick real quick because I know he had a couple of other ideas and he likes to ask people mm-hmm. questions. So what's burning on I your do. mind? I there, lo- Nick? Hey, look, I love interviewing. We, everything's heavy this week and everything has been so centric on the virus that's going around. Um, so this is our portion of not talking about it uh you know 
here we are. How many minutes into this? 20 ish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> took us that long. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll like kind of break up the talk of all the COVID-19 that's going around and all the pandemic. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you, though, and kind of your background. And this is going to be kind of part of an episode where we can say writing the other. So this is us talking to you about your experiences considered the other, a.k.a. a non-cisgendered white straight male. I'm just part of the LGBTQ community. Even further back, though, your your heritage plays in everything where your parents are from, like how you grew up and you were raised. So I kind of want to touch on all of that in the next couple minutes. Is that okay to talk yeah, sure. about that? Tell me about growing up in Florida. And can you give me a little bit of background information on your family and that kind of dynamic that you had growing up? So I grew up actually in New Jersey, um, but they um, were from all over. I think the biggest thing that influenced me growing up was my large family and also growing up in a predominantly um, black neighborhood and then slowly Hispanic. Um, I think it taught me a lot about racism, um, not trusting authority because we had really deep issues with um, the police. Um, I saw one of my friends choked to death um, by a cop uh, when I was 12. And I think that um, haunted me. And the cop got away with it. Um, so I grew up in a really middle class to poor. And as I got older, it became even poorer. Um, and my family's background, I think, you know, my parents came from really humble, slightly chaotic, my mother, uh, beginnings. And I think they also instilled a lot of things that were important. And I think reading was like a really big one because if you can read, you can do a lot. Does that answer your question? Do you want me to go on more? I, I really wish, I really wish like I had a couple students too. I wish we were doing this live and I had a couple students hear what you just said because for, for, for several different reasons, because I've been, I've been harping on this as an English teacher for, well, last couple of years, I don't teach English anymore, but I've been harping on this forever. And the, the fact that if you can read, you can do more. I think that simple statement, honestly, if you can read and you can engage with the language and can manipulate the language and speak and write, you have a lot more, you give yourself a lot more advantages uh, in, in a world where, especially when you grow up and you don't have a lot of advantages, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's, I think that's huge. And do you think that that's a big part of why you write now? Yeah, I think, well, I started writing, I think, okay. So really I started telling stories at the age of three mm. I used to, uh, pull my sisters and my parents out in the living room after dinner. And even though I never saw it, I used to tell them stories about star Wars and me and <laughs> Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Um, my next door, my best friend growing up, Angela, um, I would always make her hair into Princess Leia buns, but then I would be Princess Leia and she would be Han Solo. I love she was it. Than me. 
So what I, what I like about that is later in life, you worked with Princess Leia herself. I just love that. I love that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Carrie was amazing. If anyone's a Star Wars fan and you think of Carrie Fisher, everything you think she would be, she is. She was funny and kind and just generous of heart. When, when did you work with her and on what was she doing? If you don't mind me asking. Um, yeah, I worked with her when she was doing the wishful drinking on Broadway. Got it. Yeah. I worked with her when she was doing some like PR events uh, on the Today Show when Force Awakens came out. Um, also, I've worked with Billy um, a few times. Actually, oh, awesome. Which was her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Will, what else you got? I mean, Will, Nick, sorry. <laughs> Will. Will's the yeah, co-host on my you. other show. Thank <laughs> you. That is very true. I always forget about that. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about the culture growing up in your guys' home? And because I know me and Marshall have heard stories um, from you, and yeah. uh, so we kind of we kind of have a little bit. But could you tell me about the culture and like how your mother wanted you guys to raise and kind of be and things like that? I mean, I think. I'm going to circle it back to like reading and writing. I think my mom always pushed us to read. We used to have um, these contests during the summer where whoever won, whoever read the most books would win money, you know, because my mom was always very like, you know, you, uh, you got to read. Um, you know, my mom's, um, my mom's a character, you know, very much so equal love her and sometimes I'm like I don't know where you came from <laughs> um, and you know like I'm in a family of women you know like I was the only boy and I'm the baby so my poor dad like he really wanted a football player but it didn't happen um, <laughs> I think it was really about achieving um, I see you laughing Nick You're trying, are you all mute? um yeah, I, I keep muting myself so I don't talk over you. But yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, so funny. Will froze now. So oh, we're no. waiting. Uh, did we Will. lose him? We lost him. Potentially. Well, uh, this is going to be an editing nightmare, by the way. I just want you to know that. Oh, I just want you to know I fully agree with you. Hello. Can you see me? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Something happened with my internet, so I just did a mobile Wi-Fi. Oh, is the internet go down? Yeah. Oh, that's no good. Do we lose Will in the middle of a story? Let me re-ask the question, and we'll just start the question from the top, though, just in case. Okay. Um, well, can you give us a little bit of, little bit of, uh, you know, glimpse of life, what it was like growing up, and uh, let's say. It, home of an immigrant mother and like how she wanted you guys to be um oh okay. fitting into the culture and how she wanted you guys raised you know what i'm talking about oh yeah 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 oh yeah so yeah my mom's um my mom's an immigrant from cuba so yeah she was you know i was the white looking one so i could um go farther in life that's what she told my sisters oh man um, to not speak Spanish to me because, you know, I was going to be the successful one. Um, but I think when it comes to like reading and writing, both my parents really um, stress that and always to do well. It's really interesting, I think, with my parents because we were never taught that we could go to college. 
Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. It's never something that um, was enforced. As a matter of fact, like, to be honest, I think, Marshall, going back to your students, like, when I graduated high school, out of 273, like, when you have your class rankings and everything, yeah. I, was, I was 273. Oh, man. Yeah. I graduated at the bottom of my class. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, like, I did a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. And I was in trouble with the law a lot. And um, I came through it. And I think a lot of that goes back to, I think a lot of it does go back to the things that my parents did teach me in a way about reading and writing. And the thing is, is that no one realized I was doing that bad in my class. Because right. I always was reading, I was always writing, I was always being creative. So like my friend Megan, who remembers everything about high school, and I'm always like, who was this person? <laughs> That's what drugs do to you kids. Um, <laughs> She would be like, I mean, for us, um, she would always be like, who, we, when we graduated, she was like, who was so dumb that they got the last person? She was 271. And um, I was like, it was me. There's no way. And I was like, Megan, I barely went to school. Okay. Like when you have 180 days of school and I've missed 80, that's something. Oh, man. Well, and, I, and I tell my students, and like, even if you graduate at 273, uh, what I tell my students too is like some, we have a continuation school, you know, you can like, if you don't, if you quote unquote, can't, you're credit deficient, and then you move over to a continuation school, right? And that's what we yeah. usually do with kids that are probably going to fail out. But the fact is, you were 273, you, you graduated, and I don't know. I would probably say you're pretty successful. <laughs> so, I mean, something worked, right? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I I think it, my journey's, I, to me, I feel like my journey's been really interesting because I think a lot of times we put pressure on a certain age. I'll bring it back to writing. I want to be published by 25. Mm. And, or I want to be when I'm 30 and you hear a lot of this. And sometimes I think when you're someone who's older and you get discouraged easier because you're not at that moment in your life. And I think from me being in New York and living, literally, I've gotten a chance to live all over the world. Um, it's taught me that some of the most interesting and successful people, they didn't hit that until their forties right. and their fifties. And I think also, like, when it comes to art, there is no set age to be creative. Yeah. I think your journey of creation is all around you and all different and everyone has a different path. And I also think that goes back to, like, my parents and their journey here to the country and, like, living where we lived and, like, just having the experiences that I've my parents had. Yeah. I've been trying to tell myself, and I I love the way you put it. I've been trying to, I've been telling myself the same thing. I think we're, we're roughly the same age, I believe. Um, And what's funny about that is I told myself too, when I first met my wife, Oh, I want to write books. I want to be published by the time I was God, when I met her, I was like, yeah, I want to be when I'm 30 shit, I'll be 41 in a couple of weeks. And it's like, 
I'm not much closer. I've written a lot more, but you know what I mean? And, but I don't think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better now. Um, I'm doing, I, I feel better now and I'm producing more now, but that doesn't mean I, I'm, I'm not going to give up because I'm about to be 41. You know what I mean? Like there are amazing actors and stuff that, that don't, you know, and writers and stuff that don't peak or do amazing things until this age as well. So I just, I, I like what you said. It, it made me feel better about myself. Well, <laughs> I think too, when you look at George R. R. Martin, mm. George R. R. Martin wrote tons of books before Game of Thrones. Okay. And he was considered a mid-list author. Mm-hmm. He was pushing for a while. And then Game of Thrones happens. And I also think too, is that, you know, speaking of like, I guess like age and where you're at, you know, for a long time being gay, I was never allowed to have adventures. I, if anything, when I was in there, the characters who were gay or of, if they were black, Hispanic, they were always the first ones to be killed off. They were always the first ones to, you know, uh, push the story forward for a cisgendered, straight, white character. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I was not writing any of my characters that were gay. Mm-hmm. And when you think of that, right, it's like I internalized all these stories of what I read, and I still wasn't placing myself in them because I still subconsciously, I feel, felt like, I had no value. Yeah. I, I, I find that really interesting because when I started reading fantasy and realizing I wanted to write fantasy, I, you know, outside of the elves and dwarves and such, the, you know, the main characters are always these big, strong white dudes. And so the first story I ever wrote, did I ever tell you this when I saw you? I don't remember. I, the first story I wrote in seventh grade, it was called Sir Mark. And it was just, it was just big buff white knight dude. You know what I mean? And it's like, but, and then I saw black Panther recently and I was like, holy shit, you know, like it's, and, and it's, it's moments like that, you know, that makes me shift my writing a little bit more and, and let, myself come through the way I wish I would have seen it when I was reading all that fantasy back in the day, you know? Yeah. I think when you internalize these narratives that we love, and especially when you're first writing and you've never seen yourself reflected, you are regurgitating. Yeah. I also, I wrote this young adult book. I did like four drafts. It's terrible. It's totally. (laughs) Um, I had all guys no, they were they were ethnically diverse because yeah. the grew up in living in New York. But um, I had no gay characters, and I had one girl character mm-hmm. who was supposed to represent like that strong woman. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. And then I started to sit back, and I'm surrounded by beautiful, strong women in so many different ways. Like my sisters are like pretty much my whole life. So, and I it wasn't reflected in my work and I had to step back and say, well, one, why am I not putting myself in there? And why am I not putting the women in my life in my fiction? Or because they've my sisters have colored my whole entire life. Yeah. You know, everything that I've learned and I've become has really been because of them. 
you know, and seeing what they went through. And I think that, again, made me step back and understand about the narratives that were drilled in forehead. Well, and now we can kind of, you know, and I think that's, that's important to, at this point to be able to turn that around and let that inform our writing too, I think is, it's kind of the whole point of all this, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I love how you're on that world. I mean, I'm a straight white guy and there's always books about people like me. Well, let me ask you this then though. Like, Oh yes. Ask me a question. Yeah. I want to ask you a question because I don't, it's, I sometimes think, um, I feel like as someone who is straight and white, when you start to read fiction of the other, right. And you start to see these other characters, like, what are your thoughts about it? Like, is it really eye-opening for you? Is it just like, oh, like, of course. Like, how do you how do you process it when you start to see people who are of the other that mm. you love? That is so that it's a weird question to ask me because I only used to read for me. If I couldn't read a book and felt like I was escaping. And I was that main character going through that adventure. I didn't read it. Um, so that means I didn't read a lot of like, I didn't read any LGBT books growing up. But granted, I don't think there really were any that I probably not. I probably did. not. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dritt Thornton is the only one that I know of that I had access to that wasn't a white character. Mm-hmm. But it, but it. He did, it did have Wolfgar in there who I heavily di- identified with because of my Scandinavian roots and stuff like that. So anything Viking related, I'm always in for. But I mean, like, you know, I, I was pretty selfish that way when it came to reading. And so now that I've, I've, I'm trying actively to broaden my horizons, um, my reading out there has increased. So it's like, Cool. When I see, like, you know, I, I come across a character that is LGBTQ, um, I look for different types of patterns to identify their different struggles that I don't know about. And so it kind of helps me with that and knowing, like, okay, like, this is what's normal for them. And then now that I'm, you know, more of in a writing community. Um, you got a diverse group of friends, my friend. Well, and then I get happy because I'm like, oh, hey, that's in there. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Like, that's representation for someone I personally know that's a good person. Like, you know, even if they were a bad person, like, still good representation. Um, And I can't remember. I was watching some show. And, like, there was one of the main characters was gay. And, like, you don't really know until, like, a certain scene. Then you're like, oh, okay. Like it's becoming the normal. And I think that's the thing I most appreciate about the current culture right now and how things are changing. Cause I mean, I mean, you guys both know back in the nineties and 2000, when we were growing up, like it wasn't like that. No, like if you, hung out with the, if you hung out with the gay kid at school, you were either gay yourself or something else was wrong with you. I almost got my ass kicked a few times. <laughs> Well, I wound up beating up all my bullies. As as they're calling me the N word and kicking the gay kids' ass, that's that's uh, that's what I dealt with in like fifth grade. You know what I mean? So like, it's it's it sucks, man. Like, 
And I'm I'm glad the climate is the way it is right now because this is this is yeah. what we need. This is, you know, especially in the time God, especially with what we're dealing with right now, we have to be able to recognize people as people and everybody's got to deal with um gotta be able to get through this world without getting shunned for something someone else doesn't believe in because it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, totally. and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there for you, Marshall, too. Like I'm I'm looking for a fantasy series with a strong black lead. So if you know of any, and I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like I'm sure I'm sure Will knows. Will, I, I I'm, I'm looking Will for that knows. too. <laughs> so I want like a hardcore fantasy though. I want an epic fantasy um, that's immersed in black culture, and that, that's something I just want. Like, and there is a book on my list I need to read. And it's uh, David Mogul by Sui Sui Davies. Um, I have oh, God Hunter. God Hunter. Yeah. Yes. I, and it's it's Nigerian, and like I'm, I need to sit down and actually read that. Marshall, that's something you you should probably do as well because it's probably not going to be on Audible for a while. Yep, I'll do it. Oh, it's <sighs> it's really good. Sui writes really beautiful. Um, See, I yeah. Will knows everybody and knows every book that we all need to read. There is, um, I think, Tochion Yabuchi wrote a young adult fantasy. Now, I wouldn't say it's epic, but it's the naming of the beasts or the claiming of the beasts. I have to check, um, which is really well done. Also, Nigerian fantasy. Um, I do think uh, Tommy Amadeus' Children of Blood and Bones series. That's really good. Done really well. That first, that first um, book. Have you read the second one yet, Will? I haven't yet. I have it. I just haven't read it yet. Yeah, I was about to start it the other day on Audible, and I was trying to catch up on something else dumb. But I read it last summer, the first book. It's I cried at the end. It's brilliant. It's so good. Yes, I think she's really gifted. I would also say um, Nettie Akorfer's, um Who Fears Death, while it's not a, uh, a black male lead, um, I think it deals with a lot of, and it's not epic fantasy, it's fantasy, but I think it's beautifully written. And mm-hmm. I think everyone should read Nettie Akorfer because she's amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of who else that I really love. I mean, Maurice, the stuff that he's read, like I love Buffalo Soldier, Pinpoint Airship. Yeah. I have Buffalo Mar- Soldier looking at me style. right now. I haven't read uh, it yet, but I need to. <laughs> um, also, I'm going to bring it up. It's David Mongo. I want to, I think his name is, I'm going to, I'll text you. You can put it in the show notes. Um, there's this really great, um, it is a mixture of Eastern African and Western epic fantasy about um, assassins. Ooh, I love and, assassins. Yes. Yeah. Heavily into, um, Black culture and black culture, as I mean, is an African black culture. Yeah. I'm gonna try to put. I'm gonna try to put the authors links links to the author pages that you mentioned. Um, especially, like I said, Children of Blood and Bone. Nick, you would dig. That's really good. Um, that's the only one on the list that I've read. But um, but yeah, I'll try to put all that in the show notes for sure. So yeah. So, well, let me ask you this though, and kind of drive it back on topic because. We could do this for probably the next three hours. Right, but, but we're going to wrap it up soon. Um, yeah, we have to. Yes. Uh, but I really want to know, Will, like, you know, you come from 
such a diverse background. Like your mother was from Cuba. Like she wanted you to be white, thought you'd be more successful. Your dad wanted a football player. Um, and clearly like you're not those things. You really embrace some of your culture that you grew up with um, and things like that. I want to know representation though for you, right? You kind of hit on this earlier is, you know, how do you feel or I should ask, what are good examples and definitely give us some plugs on books of people who write the other and represent different cultures and backgrounds very well? Okay. So when you say write the other, do you want me to give you an example of authors who are writing outside of their own perspective or to give you writers who are writing from their point of view of their culture? Because they're two different things. Let's do. I'd like both because one, someone who's writing in the culture. I know, you know, that's one way to do it. But we all like that. That's more real, right? They've lived it. They know it better. But then also yeah. comparing that to someone who is writing the other. Um, but I'd like you to start with, what do you feel is good? Like, what do you want to see? in writing for someone to represent your diverse background. How do you want, how do you feel like you've been represented well and your background's been represented well? I mean, I'm, does that, always, does that make sense? Yes. I always say this to everyone I meet is that I really love Daniel Jose older. You got uh, me hooked on him now. Thank you very much. I know. He's so good. I've got like seven of his books queued up in my audible. I'm like, damn it. Uh, he's <laughs> damn so <you> will. good. <laughs> um, I think what Daniel does really well is he represents what it's like to be um, Hispanic and he's Cuban, um, like part Cuban. Um, but also I think the Bone Street Rumba series and his Shadow um, House series for young adult really represents Brooklyn and what it's like to grow up, not just Latin, but Afro-Latina. I feel like he writes really great LGBTQ people really great transgender people. Um, I think what's interesting about his writing too is a lot of times there's not a lot of white people in it. And I don't think that is done, I mean, probably partly done on purpose, I think, because when you live in New York, um, some neighborhoods are a little bit more sectional where it's more Hispanic or it's more black. Um, it's just something you don't see. Um, I think Adam Silvera does a really great job of writing LGBTQ young people and LGBTQ people of color. His one book, it's called They Both Die at the End, are two queer kids of color who have such opposite backgrounds. And I think the most important thing is that we see intersectionality in everything and that things are nuanced because my experience, to be quite honest, my experience as someone who's gay, I haven't found a lot of people who've had a lot of the experiences that I did, especially when they were white and they grew up in a white neighborhood, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's really something to be said about the gay community when it comes to their own internal racism that happens in my community. Um, I think the person who writes really great, the other, um, 
is um, Lee Bardugo. Um, I think she writes a diverse cast um, without trying to steal someone else's voice, meaning that she's not trying to be um, a white woman, straight white woman, writing this gay experience. She's including a diverse cast because that is the way the world is. Interesting, yeah. She touched upon that really well. And I think Mary Robinette Cole, I think the calculating star, she wrote someone who was Jewish. Um, and while she had some other things that were similar to Mary Robinette, like being a woman, being, you know, um, especially in the, the calculating stars of being kind of a second class citizen still. Okay. Women weren't taken seriously in jobs. Um, I think she just did a great way of really touching upon not just her main character, I think Alma was her name, um, as being a Jewish and really putting her culture throughout and how it shapes the character, but also the other women that she had in there. And I think too, um, let me say this, Becky Abertelli wrote this book, young adult book called um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. And she wrote it from this gay character coming out um, and being afraid to come out. Someone tries to blackmail him. I think she did a really great job in a lot of ways. Is that my experience? No. But I think we have to realize that everyone's lives are nuanced and no one is uh, the pinnacle of what it means to be Cuban. Because a lot of times I don't talk about my family's history because when you look at me, I easily like the Irish kid, right? <laughs> You know, or people think because I read that I did super well in school or I'm so, you know, gifted. And I was like, you know, like I'm still straight up hood. So <laughs> it's just, you know. I can, I can attest to that. We've that. had conversations. I love it. Yeah. Hey, so um, I think we've, we could do this all night, obviously. Um, but I'm painfully aware of issues in the world and time differences. Um, so let's, let's wrap up. But what I want to do is, um, if Nick's okay with wrapping up, are you okay with wrapping up? I don't know. You're the director. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm just the front man. We could really talk all night. I feel like we could. And we, and, and I mean, I don't see why we're stopping. I'm just saying, (laughs) well, here's the thing, buddy. Uh, one of us has to edit this. Okay. (laughs) Hey, I'm getting married tomorrow. So you're getting married tomorrow. There are things happening. So, I, I appreciate your time and thank you, uh, Will, for the um, bearing with our tech issues. I appreciate you so much being part of our community. What is bumming me out right now after talking to you, I just realized after all the things that are going on in the world is we're not going to see each other at MoCon officially. Um, no. And that's a bummer, which we didn't talk about early in the show, which is part of our housekeeping probably is stuff that we were planning on doing. Um, so travel is not happening. So MoCon is off for now. Um, I'm hoping, uh, things get a little better sooner rather than later. Um, they haven't called off San Diego comic-con yet, but I'm, I don't have high hopes for that. Um, but of course we have WXR, the cruise, um, in September, but, and we'll have to play everything by ear. But what I want to do though, since we aren't going to see you soon, but we will have you back on this for sure soon. Um, but, uh, before we let you go, can you let people know, like, 
if they wanted to reach out to you on social media, obviously you're in our discord too. Um, that's something for sure. Um, but you know, where if they wanted to find you on social media, find out what you do. Um, if you have an author site, something you want to plug, feel free. Now's, now's your time, my friend. Oh, sure. I mean, you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but honestly, like, I can't, I don't even remember my name. <laughs> I don't know. I'll put it to Marshall's in the show notes. Yeah, there you but go. I'm super heavy on Instagram because of what I do. So it's just Will's Art Rules and it's Will with one L. Um, and uh, I guess it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, and your art does rule, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I have so much I still need to post, but I haven't been able to yet. But um, yeah, no author website yet. I still feel like I'm a newbie and I need to finish some work. Yeah. Well, uh, I wish both of you the very best as far as getting some creativity out there uh, with what we're going through. Um, everybody in Discord, please wish Nick a um, congratulations on his marriage tomorrow, uh, which I thought was actually Saturday, which is where we're doing this tonight. So another reason why. Uh, we're, we're going to, I'm going to make him stop asking questions now. So, <laughs> Hey, I can ask questions all day. Me and we'll do this on the regular, by the way. I know. I got I, you. I talk talk about, but here's the thing, guys. I you, will be like, have, Hey, well, what do you think about this? And then we're down the rabbit hole together. And I don't know what happened, but the rabbit's dead, but there's six more on the other end. We got to get to. Okay. Okay. I got you. But, and, and we can keep talking right now, but my point is I have to have some sort of, Stopping point in my head because my sanity is at stake. First of all, Nick's not even recording his side. Second of all, that hey, means I got to point. We don't everything. know that yet. No, we do know. I know. It's, it's, hey. it's going to be a mess. So editing nightmare aside, um, thanks, Will, for being on the show. Honestly, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. This has been absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, I love talking to you guys. And, um, I feel like we should do this a second time here soon. This has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. I am at Darth Pops on Twitter, and Nick is at Bright Inks. You can find this show on iTunes and your favorite podcatchers. So, like and share this show with your writing community. If you'd like to share or discuss anything we talked on the show or whatever you have going on, you can post it on our Discord channel, Facebook page, or send it to me. I am Marshall at marshallcar.com or nick at nicholasbright at brightings.org. You can find our writing and the show notes for each episode on our websites, marshallcar.com and brightings.org. Lastly, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. And you can find us there and give us a couple bucks an episode and help us do what we do and we can help you. Now just keep writing.